seeking collaborations with influential people. At GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. My guest speaker today is from New York. He's the chief creative officer and founder of 100 Roses from Concrete, the premier network for men of color in advertising, marketing media, and public relations. Formerly of J. Walter Thompson, New York, Wonder Man Thompson, Golan, and CMG. He was awarded J. Walter Thompson, New York Courage Award, one of 100 people who make advertising great award and the Innovator of Change Award and more. He describes himself as a builder of experiences that are catalysts for social change and understanding. He's known as a man of action, an advocate for creative diversity and inclusion, a true innovator of change and tech guru, a man who will not rest until there is an intersectionality of diversity, culture and inclusion. Where he goes... And what he does will only leave a trail that keeps the doors open for generations coming. Welcoming Kenny Thacker to get to know you. Welcome, Kenny. Hey, what's happening, Tiffany? Thank you so much for having me. That was so long. I was like, who is she talking about? <laughs> well, I was like, I want to like get, get to know that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm so glad to have you on. And it's just like my pleasure to like, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, I'm so humbled that you come came onto my podcast. So it's incredible for me. I think it'd be my really pleasure. great for the, mm-hmm. the listeners to really hear about, I guess I'm kind of interested. Mm-hmm. The name 100 Roses from Concrete. Where does mm-hmm. that come from? Um, so it actually comes from um, a poem written by Tupac called The Rose That Grew From Concrete. So it's, it's I mean, unless you're like a serious Tupac fan, you would, you would know of the poem. But it was definitely one of those poems that was like, because Tupac was always working, always working. If anyone knows anything about Tupac or Tupac Shakur, whatever the case may be. Um, so when I thought about naming the group, I didn't want to name it anything that had to do with color, even though rose is a color. Mm. Um, But I didn't want to call it like black men this or like men of color that or whatever the case may be. I wanted to kind of make people think a little bit in regards to um, a rose that grew from concrete. So when, when I think about black men in, or excuse me, men of color in advertising, marketing, media, and PR, trying to be successful is literally like trying to to grow a rose out of concrete because mm. we don't have the soil we don't have the rain we don't have the sunshine to really help us grow so 
that's why I named it that because I told, I kind of feel like, um, men of color in these fields are hydroponic. We, we don't need any of that stuff because we kind of just grow naturally on our own, even though when, in comparison to our cohorts, especially our white cohorts and coworkers, like they're given that fertilizer and that sun and that rain to kind of help them grow. But for us, like it, it's really a matter of kind of growing on our own. I mean, there will be like a one or two people out there that will help us along the way, but in comparison to our white coworkers, it's definitely not as many. So yeah, we may get a little bit of rain to help us grow, but we may not get the sunshine or we may get a little bit of rain to help us grow, but we may not even have the soil to really like get our roots in because our coworkers and cohorts have those roots and those connections and that access um, and that exposure, right, to the industry. Whereas some of us stumble onto it. Some of us may have heard about it and then got it, got interested to it. But once again, like I said, all those, all those special things that are natural to some people to get when they're growing from, from any type of, um, any type of space, we don't have that. We're kind of given this flat cement kind of base in which we have to figure out ways to grow. So that's why I called it that. I love that so much. And so do you foster kind of, you know, because you're able to bring so many people, men of color into mm-hmm. one space mm-hmm. that you're able to have the sunshine, have the rain, have all these different things. Is that the well, idea behind it? Well, 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 the thing is we are each other's sunshine. And yeah. so that's the beautiful part about it. Right. Because it's like, if, if uh, sadly, if our white counterparts are not going to give it to us, we'll give it to ourselves. So that's yeah. where, so that's where the three pillars come in, where we connect, collaborate and grow together because it's like, and, and that's one thing why I made the group. Cause I was like, is no one's going to do this for us. No one's going to no. do this for us. And I mean, I've been in an advertising industry 14 years now and every single opportunity that I've had majority of them I've made for myself. And I've been able to kind of create the platform of who I am, the brand of who I am, and the work that I do um, across the industry. So no one like said, oh, yeah, Kenny, you know what? You're really smart. Let's promote you to be this. Mm -mm. That never happened to me. Sad sad to say. It never happened. But but I'm not going to say I'm special because I know 140 roses, that's how many many members we have in in the group, that go through the same thing that go through the exact same thing. And like, yes, maybe we've had one or two people that help us along the way, but definitely not as many as our counterparts. So we, we do that for ourselves. We're our own sunshine. We're our own rain. We're our own, we're our own you know, <laughs> manure. You yeah, know, we're yeah, our own yeah. soil at the end of the day. So when I, when, especially when I talk about manure and like the soil part, we keep each other grounded, but we also pick each other up. And that's so, so very important when there's so very few of us in this industry sure like are you trying to create also like as we we're speaking earlier that you know we, the people who are coming after you they don't have to struggle so much and go through that yes. thing you're, you're sending a new a new place where you can start from here now you don't have yeah. to start from 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 where we all started from like mm-hmm. let's all keep growing and keep that benchmark keeps it going up higher and higher because yeah. we will carry each other up and then we'll, we'll go further further yeah, we're just, we're basically, I mean, I mean, my mission for a long time has just been trying to level the playing field because it's one thing, you know, when, when you're running a track meet, but the other person is just to start the track meet, mm. someone's 10 feet ahead of you already. That means they have a 10 feet advantage and some people have a 50 foot advantage, 
um, ahead of you, but you're running the same race. But then you're like, why, why do you have that 50? Why do you have that 50 foot advantage in that track race? Oh, because you have access, because you have opportunity, because you have exposure. And, and also, you know, you've just been naturally kind of given that, that 50 foot head start of everyone else, which is not fair. But mm. if there's anything we can do as an organization, because members of my organization start with young, young guys that have zero to five years experience, but then we have guys that have over 15 to 25 years experience. So we all are kind of there for each other. And we, and we definitely invite all of them to anything that any of us are doing. So if one of us is speaking here, we try to score a couple tickets. So some of the guys can go and like support and learn at the same time. Cause, cause some of these, like even virtual events, some of these virtual events are expensive. Yeah. So like if there, if there's any way we can like score like a free pass or something like that for one of the guys, we try to do that um, to say the least, because just to kind of <clears throat> make it more fair and give them that access once again, as I said before, for them to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. So then how can we like, I guess the main question now is how can we build mm-hmm. diversity and change in the system? And something mm-hmm. I'm just curious about when you started mm-hmm. in this industry, mm-hmm. are you, were you, are you, were you aware of, you know, is was it on the front of your mind, the forefront of your mind? I need to create diversity. I need to create mm-hmm. inclusion. As you're going through the whole thing, or are you, or did you become more aware of it because of the disadvantages, or not disadvantages, or the less opportunities that you mm-hmm. did have? Mm-hmm. Um, when I first came into this industry, to be totally honest with you, Tiffany, which I'm not going to lie on this podcast, but um, no, it didn't. It wasn't front of mind because. I went to college and high school in the, in the, in the nineties. So I went to like the Sean Puffy Combs, Dame Dash school of just get that money. That's it. Just, just get that money. Um, no vacations, just get that money. Um, but also in, in, in that mentality, also accepting that there's just not a lot of black folks here. There's just not a lot of Latinx folks here. There's not a lot of Asian folks here. That's just how it is. That that's exactly what I accepted. I I ne- I never really thought like, is there a way I could change this? Never. Um, even the word just the word diversity wasn't that that synonymous with anything in my life mm. at mm. that time because I just kind of accepted it, you know. So even when I was taking the train in to the city when I lived in when I lived in New Jersey and most of the train was white people from New, from New Jersey going into New York, I was like, yeah, this is just how it is. Just like there's more white people than people of color in this country. So this is why they run most of these companies and organizations and there's nothing I can do um about this. It wasn't until it wasn't until the birth of my daughter that I was like, I have to, I have to do something because even, even a little bit before the birth of my daughter, I was involved minorly in like diversity projects and things of that nature around the office. But I never really, I was like, oh, well, I guess it's just a thing that celebrates women. Oh, this is a thing that celebrates black people. This is a thing that celebrates LGBTQ, um, AI plus people. Um, I was like, oh, this is just a thing that we kind of do. I just thought it was like kind of just like celebrating um, people. But when I started minorly working on those projects, something deep inside of me said, I could do this and I can make it even better. Mm. Um, because I've always been a creative person at heart, 
but my entry into the industry was definitely on the technical side. So it was all technology, laptops, computers, Macs, PCs, everything like that. Um, that's where, you know, I was able to meet, you know, my brother Brent, my sister, my sister Lynn, you know, Matt and all that, um, traveling the country with them. But um, I always knew that I could do it, but I just didn't know how. But then an opportunity kind of presented itself to me and I was like, oh, so I can just jump in and do this. And I never, but when I jumped in, Tiffany, I never, I never got out. Sure. So I jumped in one, I jumped in like January, 2011. I have, I've never left. Okay. There was a time that I did leave, but <laughs> when I did leave, I don't, cause I left out of frustration. So when I talk about why I left, um, I left out of absolute frustration because I felt like all the efforts that I was doing on the diversity and inclusion and nobody cared. And, and it was almost like a power struggle between me and that agency at the time. So I was doing all this stuff. I was creating all this work. Um, but somehow or another, excuse me, um, a power struggle ensued. And I was like, you know what, then you can have it. I'm not going to do it. Um, I did it for myself, um, outside of work as kind of like passion projects, but I didn't do it for the agency anymore. But a year later I saw how little was done on that front. And I was like, I can't let this go on anymore. Like I was, I was like, I was like a five-year-old having a pee. Like mm. I just, I was like, Oh my God, I got to get up. I, 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 nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening in comparison to the, to the first four years of all the work that I was doing. I made a vow to myself that if I was going to get up, I was going to get up and do something bigger than I've ever done. And 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 I've and since that time that I got up, I haven't sat down ever again. Either. Nice. I love that. I love that. So how have you connected then? So like since you like you said you got up, like you obviously need to connect with the people in the room who are not who are not understanding your mission here yes. and who are, who haven't experienced you know, this non-inclusion because of mm-hmm. their color or where mm-hmm. they're from mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So mm-hmm. th- there needs to be some kind of like, you know, uh, I guess a w- barrier that you're kind of trying to bring down between the two of you to, for yeah. you to, for them mm-hmm. to understand where you're coming yeah. from. So how are you, yeah. how are you going? How did you go about doing that? To- um, so, so it's, it's very interesting. So when I decided to get up and I had an idea of what I wanted to do, I knew I couldn't go back to the same people that I was dealing with before because they didn't, they didn't get it for four years. They didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was lucky enough to meet brother Brent Choi. Um, and we, we had met months before or maybe a year before, but he was in Canada. I was in New York, but we were still friends and things of that nature. And eventually Brent um, took a position in New York and even, but still months later, I was thinking about this idea and I was like, who, who, who do I even give it to? Cause I was like, I'm not going back to those people, but I was like, I know who would get it though. It's going to be Brent because, because this is a diversity idea, a diversity inclusion idea, but it's also a creative idea. Mm. And, and, and that's where I like to kind of frame all, all the diversity work that I've done over the last nine years. There's always a creative aspect to everything that I do, because if you do it creatively, you don't feel like you're preaching to people. Yeah. So I was like, 
let me let me find some time with Brent. Luckily, we were friends, even though you know he he was you know chief creative officer at the time. And sometimes people feel like people that high up are not accessible, whatever the case may be. But I had a relationship with Brent, so um, I I sat him down and I was like, "Look, dude, like I haven't done diversity here in about a year, but I'm not really happy with the way things are going." Um, I have this idea that I want and I presented him the idea and he was like, dude, he was like, get me a PDF of this tonight and I'm going to present it in like two days. So, and either, well, there was one or two days and he took the, he, he brought the idea to the other managers and he presented it to them and they were like, where'd you get this idea from? He was like, I got the idea from Kenny. He was like, oh, they were like, yeah, we got to do this. Nice. So, so, so my project <clears throat> was completely funded within like two weeks and that project spanned three years. But if it wasn't for Brent being like that sunshine, when no one else has given me any, mm. it, it wouldn't have been possible. Um, so when, so every time that, you know, especially when I tell this story, I was always like, there's, there's a very few people that actually truly believed in what I was doing and how impactful it would be. And, and Brent, I mean, I could cut off fingers, how many people, um, but one of those few people that's not related to me, <laughs> um, sure. um, is Brent, um, yeah. Brent, Brent was totally supportive and he was like, yeah, man, we got to do this. This is something that this organization has never had before. No, no organizations were even doing anything like this across the world. I'm um, really doing this. And this is back in 2016, 17. Mm. So this is way before diversity became like a big thing now, like it is in the U.S. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how it happened. But I brought the idea to Brent and he was he was like the sunshine and the rain <laughs> that kind of <laughs> let me like grow with into it and everything like that. And even after Brent like moved back to Canada, like it was still kind of going. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's how it happened. But once because when he saw me get up, like he was like, there's a reason why I'm getting up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's having those few people like very, like I said, it wasn't like this, you know, group of 10 people is like more a group of one. Yeah. At the end of the day. Well, that's all it takes, right? Well, it's one person wants to listen and hear you out. Then that, that you know, you can start going from there. Yeah. I was just curious about you. You have some, you know, you were in Africa for a bit of time mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just wondering, like, was that before or after you kind of pushed for this? Was that, how did that kind of experience shape your thoughts and in, on inclusion and diversity? Um, I wouldn't say that it really had any shaping because I was so young Mm. when I was there. Like, I was so, so young. Like, I mean, I think I was there between the ages of, like, five and ten. Yeah, so I I was, was like, super young. And when I was there, um, I went to, like, an international school. So, like, I wasn't really, like, in school with everybody else. Like I was in school with like Brits and um, Swedish people and Uh, Americans and stuff like that. So like, yeah, so I didn't really go to school with everyone else. Um, So like, but, but, but I think being in an international school really showed me that, you know, there is diversity and different type of accents and different way people process information. So if anything, maybe going to international school is really what kind of expanded my, my, my view 
outside of just what America was like, you know, in the eighties, Jesus Christ. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, so yeah, I think, I think that helped a little bit, but it was definitely, I think when I came back, um, when I came back to the U S and we moved from the inner city to the suburbs and things of that nature and kind of feeling like the minority because I went to a very mixed high school, but I still think like the high school is probably like 60 to 65% to 70% white. And then the 30% was like people of color. So just like my educational background, being with people from so many different backgrounds, but then still heavily on the white side, that's what led me to choose a historically black college for, Mm. for my university, because I just needed like, an unadulterated four years of being around black people <laughs> to say the least um, and kind of just soak in whatever the culture is or how, how black people from different parts of the country act and things of that nature or black people from different parts of the East coast even um, behave and everything like that. So that, that was kind of like my walk through like maybe understanding diversity, but then also understanding um, just me in general. Because one one thing about my mom, um, God bless her heart, um, is that my mother has always been a civil rights activist, and now and now and now she's a social justice kind of warrior and everything like that. So I mean, yeah, I mean she's I'm not gonna say her age, but yeah, you can find her at a Black Lives Matter march. You know what I mean? She's there, she's there. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's been something that took me a long time to kind of realize that. I have somewhat of a similar path, but on the advertising industry kind of um, model of, yeah. of bringing more um, fairness and justice to people in this field, um, different from, you know, like the Black Lives Matter type of activism, whatever the case may be. Sure, but, you um, found your niche. Your yeah, but I, but I found my niche in, in, in a creative industry where I can also be creative about how I bring forth these issues and these, and these very broken systems. Um, when you really think about it, how, how I can bring all that to the forefront, um, whether I'm writing an article, doing a, a wonderful podcast with my yeah. newfound friend um, and, and just making it happen that way and still trying to be as impactful as possible in the position that I've been luckily that I've made for myself. But there's definitely been a few people that have helped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then like, making me think that how can the average person then be like creative through inclusion? Like just, Um, you know, can we all, you know, do a lot of us have that ability? mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, it's because I get this question once in a blue moon and I'm like, honestly, there's nothing stopping you other than yourself. Your your biggest competition is the mirror. So it's, it's all about just like kind of getting out your seat, you know, sitting at your desk and writing down however however you want to attack this, but in a way that is going to be impactful, that's going to be intentful, that's going to be empathetic and also educational at mm. the end of the day. Like if you if you can cover those four things, then it could definitely happen for you. And look, and sometimes be like, well, you know, I don't have any sponsors. Fuck sponsors, man. Like the, the, the photo you see behind me, and I, I think we may have briefly talked about it um, in our intro call, but like the growth initiative that I put on this year in the middle of a pandemic, like I didn't wait for any sponsors to come nice. sponsor me. I funded it on my own because that's how much it mattered to me mm-hmm. that 
I wasn't going to chase after like this agency or, or, or whatever. I mean, yeah, I know CEOs at different agencies and all that other stuff that maybe I could have, you know, called and say, Hey, I'm trying to do this. Could you, could you sponsor us with like $5,000, $10,000? But I was like, screw that. I was like, I don't, time waits for no man or woman. Nope. And I just don't have that time. So when it comes to my ideas, I'm very quick to say, I will pay for this on my own because I know it's going to go the way I want and I don't have to report to anybody on how it's going Yeah. at the end of the day. So it's, I mean, I, believing in yourself is such a big part. And if you're bringing in people that believe in your vision and your walk and your journey, that just makes it even sweeter. But waiting on funds to try to make it happen or, or trying to prioritize between, oh, well, um, I don't have time. Yeah, a lot of people said they don't have time and they're not where they want to be. Yeah. But if you make the time, if you make the time, regardless if it's after everybody in your home goes to sleep or you're tired or whatever the case may be, like it doesn't really matter. You have to like just put in the work at the end of the day. That's so, so very important. But it take, you, have to be dedica- you have to be dedicated, right? You have to be able to focus. You have to be able to engage with whatever that idea or dream is. And last but not least, you execute. Yeah, that's, I think that's where people are lacking. No one's executing. It's just like yeah, talk, talk, yeah. talk and the execution. Why yeah, do you think people – People, are, I guess, are, are really operating in their comfort zones and, and they mm-hmm. tend to operate in comfort zones in, in a lot of different things, including yes. like their discomfort for welcoming mm-hmm. diversity and accepting mm-hmm. people for like who they are. Like, why do you, mm-hmm. why do you think that is instead of like, there's a, like, why is there not this focus on the talent or the skill or the personality mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it, what's more in the forefront is like this not accepting of diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's a, it's a power. It, it's, a, it's a power thing, right? People don't want to relinquish the power. They think by bringing in people that are other, so the people that are LGBTQ, people that are people that are, are, are a multitude of things, right? Like you are. So you're Egyptian and Australian, but, but you're also a woman. So like all of that, they're like, mm, she's bringing way too much to the table. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, and, and then, but not even just your background stuff and your sexual orientation, but then you're smart, right? So it's like, mm, way, way too much. She's doing too much, right? And there are oftentimes that I felt that, that um, subconsciously I was being told that I was doing too much, right? Mm. Because, because I'm black, I'm a male, fairly intelligent um so excuse me um so all of those things sometimes make people feel um uncomfortable and also some people don't like to be challenged in what they're doing right even if it's to make things better because with this uncomfortableness yeah because the comfortable shit is what's got us in this problem in the first place you know everybody being comfortable people just like yeah well this is this is where i think this is where I think they'll be best at. But yeah. who are you to to be the, the the judge and the jury and sometimes the executioner <laughs> of what's best for other people? So I think by having those three roles, judge, jury, executioner, they're like, well, I can't be, oh, I can't be the judge and the jury no more, or I can't be the executioner and the jury. So, so I feel like, it's all basically fear mm. at the end of the day, but also what keeps them 
in those positions of power, right? So what keeps their positions in power? What keeps their privilege to stay at the very top of the food chain, right? At the very top of the food chain, right? So, so what does that? Well, being totally fucking racist. <laughs> like that, 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 that's how it works. So we'll keep them where we're comfortable. We'll pay them whatever we feel is suitable, even if they can't afford to live you know, 10 minutes away from the office. Maybe now they have to live 40 minutes away, 50 minutes away, an hour away, because we'll just pay them that. And they'll be happy. They'll be happy with it. So by, by creating these huge systems of inequality, of racism, of gender inequality, of, of xenophobia, homophobia, all these things, just to maintain that level of power is where it all lies. Yeah. I just wonder, I'm curious, like about your experience and the people that are in your fa- in your company, like when you do come to a point where you're like, I deserve to be promoted or I deserve a yeah. pay rise, why yes. is the knockbacks and what is the kind of response that you do get for them to kind of keep you in that position that you're in? It's one thing that, and I've heard a lot of stories from a lot of great people that have, that have run into this, but it's almost like Black and brown, people of color, women, people from different sexual orientations. When we talk about raises, we have to have a business case on why we deserve it. Mm. It's ridiculous because a non-black and brown person of color, non-woman, can just say, "I, I want a raise. And the answer is pretty easy. It's either yes or no. But we have to kind of have this case, Mm. this business case on why it's so important. One thing that that I heard once on a podcast is that white men, especially white men, actually straight or gay, are promoted based on potential. Whereas black and brown women, people of color are promoted based on merit. But that merit is the same as that business case. So we have to have like all these things that we've done and da 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 so many things that we've gotten. Whereas potential, if I said, Tiffany, I see potential in you, that makes me a futurist. Mm. But why, why isn't potential seen in black and brown people of color or women? It's only seen, especially if you look at the advertising industry, in majority white men. And then second to that comes white women, right? But even even on the white women's side, like the percentage of them in leadership roles and like kind of running the show is still like under 10%. So even with the advancements that have been made in, in diversity, this very small advancements that have been made, they've kind of benefited white women first before any, so everyone else gets forgotten about. And then if a company has like a female CEO, a white woman CEO, or anything with a C in front of it, they're like, well, look, we have, we have, you know, Janet and she's a, she's a leader here, but yeah, how many other Janets do you have? And of, and of those Janets, how many of those Janets are black? And how many of those Janets are Latinx? How many of those Janets are Asian? Not, not many at all. Right. So, 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 so when, when you think about how does that make women that are not white feel? Right. Well, they can't, like, they can't ask for a promotion. <laughs> yeah. That's how it makes them feel. Yeah. It, it, it makes them feel like, well, okay, yeah, I'm with all the girl power. I'm glad that she's there. But what about the rest of us? So, so with, with, with the, way, the way the structure has been made, it's almost like they can pick and choose where they want to, mm-hmm. to put us, right? And, and, sure. how to, and how to equally distribute the power. Because that's also the thing. It's like, 
equally distribute the power when you think about what I just said, equal. Equal does not always mean fair to some people. No. Equal means, wow, so you're going to have two houses like me? You're going to, you know, mm, like you're going to sure. drive this. Mm, well, that, I don't want to be on the same level as a woman. Yeah, yeah. Especially like a woman of color or a, a man. Uh, I don't know. So that alone put, makes them feel like their masculinity is being threatened because they're going to be on the same level as a woman, but it's like, even by giving women and people of color these opportunities, they will still never be on your level because you've been profiting off of this for decades. So, I mean, yeah, maybe they're climbing the mountain, but you've been up here for the longest time. So, and they, and so when you really think about it, they never will be. Yeah, you, you, you can give them promotions and give them the raises and all that other stuff, but you've been making you know, $1.3 million for the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, they're not even at that. So why, like, you know, what always troubles me is that when someone who is from any, like a, who has come from a minority or things like that mm-hmm. or a woman mm-hmm. or, and they, they tend to kind of still portray or, or, or have the same mindset as, you know, the men or who are in those mm-hmm. leading positions and they don't mm-hmm. see somebody else who was, you know, who's, also from a minority trying to ask for mm-hmm. a promotion or ask for a pay rise and they yeah. don't give them that opportunity. They still, they still kind of once reach that position. Mm-hmm. They forget. They forget. It's like, well, why is this happening? Like, you know, if these, if everyone who, who, who's, who had to struggle to get to this place mm-hmm. and have all come together. And it's the mm-hmm. part that, it, you know, that's where I see us all make, being able to change the system. If you can come together, we can grow, we can take the next mm-hmm. step up and, and move yeah. forward. So why is this, like not happening i guess it's because the the few that are kind of cherry picked to 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 be to get that step up right they're not empowered when they get there mm. because they're like so tiffany you're a woman you check many boxes you're australian you're egyptian you're a woman you're smart so we'll we'll put you up here but when you get up here there's not going to be another Tiffany for a long time. And you can't do anything about it. And you can't do anything about it. And if you try to do something about it, we'll quickly make you remember that as long as it took you to get here, you can leave here 10 times quicker. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So even, even, I mean, cause I've known, I've known, um, I mean, I'm not going to name anybody, but like I've known female leaders that, yeah, they're up there and they only take care of either other female leaders that look like them, but why well, and one forget about everybody else. Um and 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 that's really sad at the end of the day. But but that kind of also talks about the character of the person at the end of the day. Mm. Right. And and these are people that, you know, we've talked to every single day and we know what their role is and all this other stuff, but there's something within them that they 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 get in the door that that door up there but they don't hold it open no and but the, and then when you do ask you get a million and one excuses you get a million and one excuses oh well, i'm responsible for so many other things right now da, 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 da. and that part is always like the last 
bullet point on the, you know, 50 bullet points that they're responsible for. And this is like, but you understand that they made an opportunity for you. And if you're, if, but it's also like how much weight does that seat even really have? Right. Or are you just a seat feller? Like, are you just there to like make their conscience feel better? Right. But at the end of the day, you actually have no power. Mm. So yeah, you may have a C in front of your title, but what, what can you really do with that? Whatever chief or head or global, whatever, like, what can you really do with that title and that seat at the table? Right. So if anything, it's like, if, if we're going to give anyone that title and that role or whatever thing, you should come in with a list of demands, just like any, like, so like, you know, when when there's a concert or whatever, and artists have like these artist writers, like I want champagne, I want barbecue (laughs) chicken, I want M&Ms. Honestly, I feel that executives, especially executives that are black and brown people of color, women, they need to have a diversity writer if they're going to take a big job. Because if they had a diversity where they'd be like, I will take this job, but you all need to commit to the to five things that I want to increase diversity here at this company. Mm. Like go in there like you're a motherfucking Mariah Carey. Like I don't know, just Do like it. Beyonce. Yeah. But like, but like I think having I mean, and this is something sadly, um, after the George Floyd um murder and during the protest, this is something that celebrities are now having on their list of things where they work with different brands. They're like, I have a diversity writer and anybody that's going to be working on this project with me, they need to be black or they need to be a person of color. They need to be a woman. Like Michael B. Jordan said it blatantly over the internet. He was like, yeah, any crews that are working on anything that I'm on or anything, cause he has a film company too. He's like, I want, I want my, 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 anyone working on a project of mine to be diverse, diverse as all hell. Yeah. <clears throat> and if, if these studios can't provide me a diverse crew, I'm not doing it. Nice. Yeah. That's but great. I feel, that's a, I think that's a great method of action that, that, mm-hmm. that, that can be in place. Like we yep. should have this in place everywhere. Yeah. Otherwise I don't see how we're able to kind of, you know, how, how we can break the whole system of how it is mm-hmm. and change that hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just takes people to kind of put their foot down and be like, this is what I want. And because at the end of the day, diversity is good for business. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, don't want to believe the research and the facts and everything like that, the data, the science. Um, It just is. But also there's the, the unwritten fact is that some organizations, leaders work subconsciously to subdue the diversity, right? So, so they, so they, they subconsciously do that by ignoring the facts, ignoring the voices that are, have been talking about this for a long, long time. One thing that I often say about um, my time when I was with a specific agency is that I was in a constant state of un. Now, what does mm. un mean? I was misunderstood, undervalued, underpaid, underappreciated. For a long, long, long time, long, long time. But I know I'm not the only person that lives in that state of un. Yeah. All the time. And that's like a mental health thing. Yeah. But it affects blacks, women, 
Latinos, Asian people, LGBTQ people. Um, and, but there's, uh, there's some of us that when we're living in that state, we don't talk about it. No. Um, some of the research says that, you know, our brothers and sisters, you know, that are LGBTQ are more likely to talk about it than, than straight folks. It's, it's a very, it's, there's so much research that talks about how we express ourselves at work and how we don't express ourselves that, which makes us unproductive and uncreative and uninnovative. Right. Um, and then there's, there's some of us that, that do talk about it, but then some of us do talk about it. And then we're, we're, we're tagged as, you know, bitching all the time or complaining all the time, but like, no, there's a problem with your fucking system. Yeah. And then when we do talk about it, you, we get ignored. So, so there's definitely layers to it, but kind of functioning and living in that state of un is something that a lot of people suffer from, right? A lot of people suffer, suffer from. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. It really like a lot of things, you know, come to mind there when you're, when you're speaking about that and, um, you know, what's also coming to mind, I guess, with the whole kind of generation of technology that's that's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, over the last 30 years, mm-hmm. how it's just kind of really like, you know, really, you know, going into like overdrive. Mm-hmm. You know, how, mm-hmm. how do you, like, do you think, does, does technology play a role in diversity and culture? Um, I think it does because you have to think about how these different groups have access to technology, right? Like, like, you know, we even think about like the school system just here in America and now everyone, all the kids are online, but not every young kid can afford a laptop. Um, not, not every family can afford Wi-Fi, um, whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of inequalities when it comes to technology, even though black and brown people of color um, are the highest users. Mm. of of like social media and things of that nature and all these like different creative platforms like we're 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 the highest users of it but when you look at like the top youtubers or the top tiktokers or whoever somehow another the algorithms push the white users to the top and this is something like my kid was explaining to me about you know, like the top TikToker is like 16, is like a 16 year old. I don't know if she's a white girl or white guy, but, but it's not a black girl or a black guy. And Lord knows, excuse me, TikTokers of color are great creators, but somehow, but somehow they're not at the top. Like you have that, and I got to give a shout out to her. I don't know her um, personally, but shout out to Sarah Cooper, um, who does the Trump impressions. Like now she's about to get her own show on Netflix. Like (laughs) she took that, she took that, those impressions to the bank. I mean, she just hosted like Jimmy Kimmel the other night. Wow. Like, but she's, but she's, but she doesn't have like 80 million followers on, on TikTok. I mean, she probably has like maybe a million or so. Um, But the, the, even when it comes to technology, we're, we're the heaviest users, but in regards to like, those that are really like making like lots of money off of these platforms still tend to be white. I mean, yeah, we have like our Liza Koshis, you know, that have kind of translated their um, YouTube's their YouTube stuff into like TV shows and movies and things of that nature, but it still doesn't compare to their white counterparts. You know, it just, no. it just doesn't. but and even TikTok's though we're still owned, having consumers. And TikTok's owned by um, a Chinese company. 
mm-hmm. as well, which I find very funny. And but yet, somebody who like the people that do well on these on these platforms are always of white. They're always, they're all, they always are. I mean, my my daughter loves um, these these two twins, but when she was younger, she really liked this one YouTuber. But this young, I mean, I don't know. She's barely thirty, multimillionaire. You know, but she makes like these silly cooking shows. You know what I mean? But multi-millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's just insane, like how these platforms have created a new type of currency, and it's but it's not just it's not just a financial currency, but it's a social currency. Yes. Well, right, and 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 that's one thing that I think black and brown people. That's one thing that they have something that's very high of is the social currency side. So there's a lot of people that make very interesting videos and sometimes they're just absolutely hilarious videos, but they're still very, very high on the user side. Um, but when you look at them in, re- in regards to like, if you equate them to followers, which is that seems to be the currency, the social currency, they still are very much like lower. It's almost like hip hop, right? When you think about hip hop music and you think about like the best selling hip hop artists, um, you know, Jay-Z definitely is like big in there and everything like that. But Eminem, I think pound for pound has probably sold more albums. Mm. And even though I love Eminem, so this is not a diss to Eminem, so Eminem don't come and get me. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, when you think of art, even the, even the bad white, white artists like Vanilla Ice, like he sold so many albums and he was absolutely horrible. But then you have classic even acts like the Beastie Boys sold a lot, a lot of albums um, at the end of the day. Um, so there's definitely like just a culture shift and a currency shift and a social shift that when you think about how our culture is kind of made basically out of black culture at the end of the day everything is like some abbreviation or appropriation of black culture and how these people kind of you know pro- profit off it the most yeah absolutely absolutely you know like when you're talking about this like you know i think you're talking about social currency and mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a good thing though necessarily mm-hmm. too because you know a lot of people have these followers and and numbers and things like that but yet the product isn't something that's kind of beneficial mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. as people or something mm-hmm. that's creating something good for the world i don't know if that's you know that's something that we're kind of falling into or we've already mm-hmm. fallen into mm-hmm. you know not necessarily taking away from opportunity and and, and change yeah, I mean, when it, when it comes to social currency, I think since it's so easy to follow someone mm. on on any type of social media platform, we really don't think that that's going to affect us that much, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to follow that person. I may I may check their page out once in a blue moon or whatever. But the thing is for every follow that those people get, they at least are guaranteed like a view, right? Yeah. So that's what raises their stock up. But like, as their stock rises, what are they doing to kind of, and I mean, I guess there are YouTubers and maybe some Instagrammers or maybe TikTokers that do collaborate, right? But how often do they collaborate with someone that's totally different than them? Something to think about. Yeah, and they don't. Like, as I think we were talking about before, like, you know, when I was, you know, look, if you're looking for people in the LGBT scene, Mm -hmm. like, let's take just like, you know, people who are queer, females, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, you know, the algorithm only supports, is only kind of, you know, people only following the white. Heterosexual. Yeah, they they don't don't tend to, it's not 
you know, mm-hmm. it's not equal, even though the per- the other people who, who ha- are from minority groups that have mm-hmm. been on the same platform for the same amount of years, producing mm-hmm. the same amount of content or even better content, but yet yeah. still aren't being supported by people. Exactly. So yeah. it's just like, you know, well, what are we, how do we, how do we shift out of this now? I think we need to yeah. kind of shift, shift away from it. Yeah. I mean, it all boils down to the algorithms and the algorithms are 90% of the time made by men. Mm. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a hit on the chin for men and say, yeah, we, we're screwing everything up. <laughs> <laughs> we're screwing everything up. <laughs> We've been screwing everything up for the longest time. For the well, beginning of time. I can't argue with you there. <laughs> hey, I'm being honest. We're, 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 oh, well, we we fucked everything up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like um, I'm glad now, you know, people who are like yourself who are able to mm-hmm. have a platform, who are able to kind of, you know, keep the doors open, like I said in the yeah. intro, like mm-hmm. to, uh, to, you know, get people who, you know, allow – doors to be open for all of us and like mm-hmm. give us all an opportunity or a voice yeah. or or highlight our skills and show our mm-hmm. talents and be, mm-hmm. and see that hey you know i used to think when i was young you work hard it's you meant to see something but that's not the case a lot of the time you know you work mm-hmm. hard you can work really damn hard and not go mm-hmm. anywhere mm-hmm. yeah 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 so but but we have but when we're working that hard and feel like we're not going anywhere we really need to like kind of look at ourselves and figure out like there's somewhere within that process that keeps us spinning our wheels. It's almost like being stuck in the snow. I don't know if you've ever seen snow before or stuck in the mud, but being stuck in the mud and your wheels are just spinning and kind of figuring out like, what, how did I even get here and how do I get out? And once you figure out how to get out, then you'll see kind of like the fruits of your hard work and labor really pay off. Whether, even if it's just spiritually, Mm. at least it's paying off because one thing that I, I I think that sometimes with our ideas and everything like that, we're like, well, this doesn't pay off monetarily. It's all bollocks, right? It's all bullshit. But that's not necessarily the case. I think when we find, when we find that, when we find that, 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 that break in the clouds or in our, in the way we think and, we can find a way for it to pay us, whether spiritually or financially. That that's a win either way. And sometimes it's sometimes some of these experiences and these conversations or whatever, they they, they pay us spiritually, and we feel like you know what, the world is not that bad. Yeah, yeah. financial part, like okay, I can eat today, but yeah. <laughs> you can't eat yeah. on the spirit, right? But at least if your if your soul is fed, then you're like really more content with yourself and the way and the way that your life is going yeah because i mean i mean you know life's too short to be unhappy all the time no, um, absolutely. Li- li- life is too short to, to be unhappy all the time and one thing that um martin luther king said is like if 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 we have the opportunity to leave the world better than it was than when we got here that's a life fulfilled you know i'm paraphrasing but that's a life fulfilled um, at the end of the day. So that's kind of been like my mentality is that, you know, anything I could do to, to have someone come into the industry and not feel like it's so, so rough and it's climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, that's, that's, that's better that I feel, I feel better if, if they can feel that way because, and, and not just, and, and not come in as I did and feel like, Oh, well, this is just how it is. Yeah. 
right? Um, so anything I can do to kind of help, whether it's a young man, whether it's a young woman, I don't care who you are. Um, if I can just kind of help you not have that kind of mentality that I did that, oh, this is just how it is. Cause it honestly, Tiffany, it took me, it, it took me like four years mm. to kind of say, to kind of say, I can do something. It yeah. took me four years, but, but that four years, I just like, I literally just accepted it all. I literally just accepted it all. I was just like, this is, this is what it is. Yeah. I was like, this is what it is. Yeah. They do like a couple things about diversity. I don't really know what it's about, but, um, I knew that when, when the, when the, when the bulb did go off in my head, I knew that I could do it in a way that was encouraging. That was inspirational. That was educational. That was fun. And then also have all those things kind of wrapped in a bow of this will make people want to stay here, but also this yeah. will make people want to work here. Yeah. So that was like my mentality when, when, I, when, I, when I got into this. I was like, and, and by doing all that creatively, it's much more better than kind of standing on, standing on the pulpit, you know, in the, in the church of diversity and saying, we need more black people. Or we need more women. And da, 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 da. No, if you can do it in a way that people can really relate to and understand and even have fun, it's, it's, it's so much better because then you're not kind of standing at the pulpit, like the, the preacher in the church and feel like I'm above all of you and all of you should listen to what I say. Mm. No, bring even even bringing in white people into the experience and showing them stories of people that are not white and what they bring to the table and how valuable of what they bring to the table that's where you get the wins yeah. and and you know and that's where i think i've been standing ever since is that yeah I'm going to bring white people into the experience so they can understand about the passion and the perseverance that it takes to be a, a person of color, black and brown person of color or a woman, like to really understand those journeys. And like, at the end of the day, we're all human, man. We're all human. Yeah. But, and, and, but no one's more superhuman than the other. No. And sometimes I think people get wrapped up in that, right? So, so they get to that the top of that mountaintop. They get to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Like, look, because I did, look, I did this. I am king or queen, bitch of the fucking world, you know. But it's like, no, you did stuff that many other humans have done before. Is exactly. it easy? No. But how can you, as you know, king and queen? make it just a little bit easier for those that are climbing the mountain right now. That's it. And, 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 and not those that are just starting to climb the mountain, but those that have been climbing the mountain, right. But don't have those resources, don't have the right shoes, don't yeah. have the right equipment, right? Like how can you meet some of those people, whether it's halfway, whether it's a little bit past halfway, anyone that's not up there with you, how can you help pull them up how can you lighten that load i think i think sometimes people don't understand how heavy the load is right they don't understand how heavy the load is when you just think about all the other crazy things that are going on in society right that they're still trying to climb that mountain while watching 
people that look like them get murdered on TV, people like them not making the money that they should be making, people that look like them that are not living in safe neighborhoods, people that look like them that are that are um, discriminated based on the people, whoever they want to love. Like, that's what we're all climbing this mountain with. And sometimes people at the top don't realize, like, damn, they're, they're trying to climb up this mountain with, like, a two-pound backpack on, 200-pound yeah. backpack on. It's like 200 pounds. Whereas I had all these other people to kind of help me take stuff out and help me get up quicker. And, and that's one thing that, you know, I hope, you know, some of these people will realize one day. And, and, and the great, but the great thing is that there are people that do realize that, you know, in comparison to like a 50 pound backpack going up the mountain, that other people have like a 200 pound backpack going up the mountain so like some some are unfortunately now starting to realize how easy they had it but there's still a lot that kind of felt like oh well i had my own struggles and i didn't come from a lot of money yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i i look okay if that if that's your story i get it if that's your if that's your journey i get it but there was something definitely different about you being a straight white male that was able to get you through those doors a whole lot easier than people that were not like you. And once you just accept that, just, just accept it, period, then maybe you'll think about making it easier for black and brown and women of all different backgrounds. Maybe, maybe then. It, but you have, the thing is, that acceptance has to happen. Mm. If that acceptance doesn't happen, the, the whole model is shot. And the whole nothing changes. The system and nothing change. changes. And the system, no system shift. changes. There's no yeah. shift. The disparity is still there. The gaps will only get wider. Um, but in this, in this kind of, you know, the, the way the world is, the world, the way the world is going now, it's not even a matter of the gaps getting wider, but it's a matter of whose business will survive. Yeah. Thinking in this very old way, right? Yeah, because we're, we are shifting now. So if everyone, you know, if more if, if you're trying to go against it and not jump on board, you're you're not going to yeah, survive. Yeah. You're not going to Ad- adapt. Nobody or die. wants to be. Nobody wants to be part of that anymore. Adapt or die. Adapt or yeah. die. And you know, a lot of a lot of people there. I mean, but people are, are going to. It's going to be like a grouchy old man. You can't tell a grouchy old dude, regardless of what your background is. You can't tell a grouchy no. old dude shit. But like no. they're, they're, but they will have to just like accept it and and. Cause the one, cause the one thing is that sometimes they think that accepting is losing. It's not losing. No, it's not. It's really, really not. If anything, it can enhance your life and make your life better and make your business better. Um, I, I, I said, when I talk about diversity all the time, I say diversity is a business problem because people drive the business. The business doesn't drive the people. So once you fix the people problem, your business will be better. Yeah. Say that nicely fast. put. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's so nicely put. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, more people need to, you know, let's let's just take this train and, and keep driving it. Let's let let's mm-hmm. get everybody, you know, put our hands out, pick everybody up and you know, let them into the carriage and let's just drive this train. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and, and drive it together. But I think, you know, the relinquishedness of being the there's a difference of being the conductor of the train and the, the, the driver of the train, right? Because the driver of the train, then you have the power to dictate where the train goes. Sure. 
And you're like, I don't want to be collecting fucking tickets. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I want, I want to be controlling the train. I want to be driving the car, you yeah. know? So True. like, you know, there's, there's just a difference. So, but I think the acceptance part and the acceptance of you accept this, and you still won't be losing. Like you're not going to be that. You won't immediately become the conductor. Nice. You know, you won't be. You won't be. You know, snapping tickets. You know, um, that's not the case. You can still be driving the train. But how about having several people help you drive that train? Beautiful because the train. thing is, because the thing is, when you bring in the other people, they are going to respect the amount of time that you have driving the train. So they're not going to come in and be like, "Oh, go left, go right." It's going to be more suggestions, but if they still feel that the direction you're driving it or, or give them a chance just to control it is better because they'll respect the time that you put, that you had, you know, driving that train. They will. They have no choice to, yeah. because I'm, I'm not going to trust nobody that's been driving the train two days. Like, <laughs> no, no, like, exactly. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Nicely said. I really, really love all those points that you highlighted there. And it's just so like, you know, people need a, I don't know how, but, you know, more and more we need to jump on board and just like get, get this whole, let's change the system. Like we can do this. Like let's mm-hmm. stop, stop stuffing around here. Let's come on. Yeah. Let's, let, let's get it going. I think with the whole situation, because a lot of businesses are crumbling now, mm-hmm. they'll probably people will see, Oh shit, we weren't prepared. We need a new mindsets. We need mm-hmm. different perspectives. We need different thinking. We yeah. need diversity to yeah. change how we can, you know, if this were to happen again in the future for our businesses mm-hmm. not to crumble. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is the industry, I can only talk about the advertising industry, but the advertising industry adapted from just print to TV, TV to digital, to digital to social, right? Why did it adapt? Because they knew business money yes. of dollars was on the line. Why can't they look at diversity the same way? Exactly. Exactly. That's you know? really nicely said. Absolutely. Why, why can't they look at diversity the same way? I, I tweeted the other day, I really wish women and people of color had the balls, like NBA players, to say, like, you know what? We're not playing tonight. Mm. Just be like, we're not working today. Actually, we're not working for the next three months. See what you do. Yeah. You know? Like really just had that big FU power due to the fact that so many horrible things have been happening within the black community and things of that nature. They continue to be happening when you really think about it. Um, yeah, happening, yeah. But for the end, you know, I give so much props to LeBron James and the rest of the teams and everything like that. But to just be able like, we're, we've one, they've been talking about how important black lives are, right? They've been talking about it. But to really take a stance and say, we're making you all millions and millions, sorry, billions of dollars Mm. as professional athletes. Tonight, we say no. We're not going to play. Because people, I mean, NBA is 95, 97% black, the players. That could be any one of them. At the end of the day, just because they're millionaires and things of that nature doesn't make them immune to racism no, no. and doesn't make them think that they're above racism, no. right? It happens. It happens. 
Um, so for them to kind of have that, have that power is something that when I, when I saw that happen, I was just like, you know, yeah, yes. I was like, that, that's how you do it. Like, you know, the fans can fucking wait. The clients can fucking wait. Be like, you know what? Until we figure out better ways to, to treat our people, regardless if it's in a financial sense, it's in a, it's in a promotion sense, it's in a hiring sense, it's in an employee development sense, um, sense we should just hold out. Be yep. like, we're not doing nothing. And that's when and that's when things will change. And that's you yeah. know, if you look at history and things that have happened, you know, in, in so many different countries and around the world, yeah. like when you when you say, Hey, we're not going to work. Yeah. We're not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. What do you I mean? I, they can't force you. Yeah. Because because all all the all the donations in the world and all that stuff, it just doesn't change the systems. And it's no. really great to say we're changing the systems and everything like that. But you're talking about systems that are over a hundred years old, if not older. So you think, oh, well, we're gonna put, you know, X million dollars towards this to a problem that's over a hundred years old. So you think it's gonna be solved tomorrow, right? Like what? Are you on like ayahuasca or some yeah. heavy dose of like <laughs> weed or something like that 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 we've never heard of? Because it's it's just not it's just not the case. So by kind of being on your you know high high summit on your mountain or wherever the case may be, and thinking that this is what's going to solve it, like come on, man! Like tell me another joke. Honestly, tell me another joke because one thing about this transparency and pivoting a little bit one thing about this transparency of the diversity figures at least u.s agencies are kind of sharing now right so they're sharing like how many blacks how many latinos women even sometimes even diversity in regards to different departments and you know as bad as some of these figures are just because they released them publicly doesn't mean they didn't know about them 5 10 20 years ago so basically by you releasing these publicly it's kind of saying you fucking knew and yeah. you did nothing all of you all, all of you you knew you knew you knew and you did nothing but now since it's kind of like the fad you know like everyone's wearing red red khakis this year then you know so everyone's going to share <laughs> their <laughs> diversity numbers yeah. and it's just like just due to the fact that you had the, that they had to be forced to share them. It's like an admission of guilt. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's like, well, well, here's the gun. Yeah. But you killed her like five years ago. <laughs> we're, we're supposed to forgive you now for coming forward. Oh no, man. You knew they knew that. The, the number of women in leadership roles was extremely no. They knew they the number of people of color, black and brown people in leadership roles was incredibly low. Like under, under some, in, in some cases, under 5%. Just how is that right? Just in what world? Like in what world is that right? Or is that just right in the world of maintaining that power that I keep talking about? Oh, now we get it. And clearly is. It's all yeah. about maintaining the power. 
Yeah, it's all about maintaining the power. So, so regardless of what you call that color, I don't know if you call it white, if you call it black, or if you call it purple. I don't care what color in the rainbow that you call that you choose to call it. That's what it is. It's not. It's not a variation. It's not a fusion. It's not a mixture. It's one thing. It's sexist. It's 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 homophobic. It's racist. It's all of those things. This it is what it is. You can't call it by any other name. It is what it is. And you knew, you knew 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It was probably even worse then, right? It was probably even worse yeah. then. Well, now and, exactly. And, and when it went up by even small points, you still then say, this is still unacceptable that we have 4% black leaders here or you know, 11% women leaders here, right? you still were like, well, you know, that's what, that's what it is. And, and they knew, they knew. And I think that's the part that's most aggravating is that, you know, I don't know how much these people are making. I don't know, Mm. but I know they're making a lot. I know they're making a lot. I mean, I've traveled with some of these people and some of the conversations that they're talking about, they're talking about so much rich people stuff. I don't even understand it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't even understand it. I don't understand which, you know, hotel in Europe has the best like thread count for bed sheets and all that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that's, I think the thing that was like you're saying, like because only in the recent years, this whole social media thing, like we're able to see data and statistics and things Mm -hmm. like this in everybody's Mm -hmm. face. Millions of people can see it. Now Mm -hmm. it's like, oh no, we can't hide our, can't hide anymore. Yep. Yep, that's pretty that's much. the problem there. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's it I mean in, in and in regards to the hiring, so as 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 all these agencies quickly try to run to the treasure trove of, of women and black and brown people of color to like, oh, let's get them in leadership roles. But one thing you have to understand is that they've been traveling around with these heavy backpacks for so long that they stuck. So yeah. they haven't been able to, to really gain the experience and the knowledge and the development that they need to take these big jobs. But all of a sudden, you, you want to give them the big jobs? You can't have it both ways, assholes. Like, no. to be telling you, excuse, excuse my language, but no, you, can't no. have it, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, we need them so bad right now, but you've done nothing to develop them over yeah. the last couple of years. So either you have a bunch of junior people that don't really see a place for them in this industry, or you have a bunch of middle people that are suffering in this state of un, right? And they're not even being developed to even think about something even bigger. That's where we are. That, yeah. That's where we are. And, you know, even when you do pick and choose, then you still have some that are, are completely left behind. So that, that's why I say um, in my article – mindfulness over mediocre is because a lot of the times, a lot of these people that are cherry picked that are not black or brown or people of color or LGBTQ, they're mediocre employees that are given the opportunity to be, you know, chief this and head that and whatever, whatever. It's absolutely mediocre people and everyone sees it. And then when you, and when you're like, so-and-so got promoted, he or she kind of sucks, but (laughs) somehow or another, like they, they, they played the politics Maybe maybe they were a yes man or a yes woman, mm. and 
that's what feeds the egos at the people at on the top of the food chain. So they're yeah. like, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, we're going to promote, you know, I keep saying the name Janet, I'll say Marcy this time, but we're going to give Marcy or Chad, you know, the opportunity. Why? Because Marcy or Chad will not challenge them. Yeah, they say they're yes. So, 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 they're, so, they're, so they're not going to have, now I'm kind of bringing this full circle or adding another circle to all the things that I'm talking about, <laughs> but, they, but they won't come with like that diversity writer, right? Nice. So they're going to accept that promotion. They're going to accept this new big salary and everything like that. But they won't say, hey, um, so thank you for the opportunity. But I also want the, the ability and capability to bring in other people that deserve this chance and people that are even not like me. That's very profound to hear people say, extremely. Lord knows I've never heard it, but um, <laughs> it's extremely but, profound. But, but, yeah. but it, but it, to show that profoundness, hell, if someone said that to me after I promoted him, I was like, I'm going to give you another promotion just by saying, yeah, that just, exactly. by saying just by saying that alone, because that shows me that you're a human being and you're Absolutely. not like this fucking like robot. No. At the end of the day. No. But I think that, that robots are kind of favored over the humans. Because the robots, you know, you can program it to say whatever you want. You can say, you know, do this dance and do that dance. But other, you know, the humans are like, why, why I got to be dancing now? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my song. I don't like no. the song. <laughs> robot, no. it's, oh, everything is my song. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> What's going on? Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been such an incredible conversation, Kenny. I really loved it. And it really shows. Like I, I did some of my own research on you and mm-hmm. I found that you're a man of, you know, your motto is be hungry, be humble, be human. And I can mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. see all of those things yeah, in our conversation yeah. now and, yeah, and everything yeah. humble, you've done. and. And all your mm-hmm. actions and yeah, it really has stood out to me. I guess something that I do like to ask the guest speakers before we end the podcast is that mm-hmm. how has this conversation with me like really highlighted anything in particular to yourself? Like or made you reflect a little bit differently? Um, I mean, I could just sum that up in another one of I'm the king of one liners, as you can see, with the with the be hungry, be 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 human, be something. Be humble. Humble, <laughs> humble. Human. Um, it's just basically, and, but this is another one of my one-liners. I always say, you know, being us, being underestimated creates superheroes. And I felt for a very long time in explaining that state of un is that I was underestimated um, a whole lot. But if you watch superhero movies, I'm a super big Marvel fan is yeah. that superheroes are always underestimated at the very beginning. Yes, but, but when you get to the end of the movie, people are like, "Oh wow, this person's a superhero." Yeah. So I think that's what's gotten me here, and that's what continues to kind of propel me into the future. Is like, yeah, it, but it's all those underestimations from a lot of people, um, to say the least. But you do have like those few people that do believe. You know, yeah, like Brent, definitely my family, um, definitely some of my friends. Um, but but sometimes. They always say you can't see the bad times in photos. Yeah. Right. So in all the photos that you see of me wherever I'm at, you know, yeah. But there's there's things that a lot of people don't see. And that's being underestimated and being in that constant state of un. Right. So all of those things stand out to me the most because they're not in the photos, like the photos live forever, but you kind of always remember like those things. Um, so I'll definitely say being underestimated creates superheroes because it's been a long, long road and I'm still on the road. 
Exactly. Because I don't see an end. To, I don't really see an end to this road. I really don't see an end to this road. And that's just the mentality that I that I've had for a long time. Is that I don't really, I don't really chase the checkered flag at the end of the race because this is a marathon. Um, at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. And thank you. And I appreciate that you don't end, end the road because that allows people like myself and many others to be like, mm-hmm. hey, this guy's going to like, you know, keep the door open for, you know, it's going to be endless. It's not closing. It's like, and he's mm-hmm. still going to be working to create that diversity and change for all of us, like who are mm-hmm. coming, you know, trying to grow and become something or, or show our skills or or develop and, and, and add our own impact into the world in, in, in whatever form we want to do that. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, Kenny. It's my pleasure. Get to know me, get to know you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at get to know you with tiffany farag in my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue i want to hear from you listeners the question again how can we build diversity and change the system leave an audio video or a message on the facebook or instagram page of your response to today's question including your name and where you are from we will include some different responses in next week's get to know you cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic if you have any topics you would like us to discuss be sure to tag me to post with your question join us every tuesday on get to know you.